Today's episode is brought to you by Pet Angel Adoption and Rescue. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Call of Leadership podcast, where we interview people from our Michigan community who answered the call of leadership. We're going to hear their powerful stories and get their advice. Now, today's guest serves as a board member on numerous business and nonprofits, including Covenant Healthcare, the Saginaw Riverfront Community Outreach, the United Way, the list goes on and on. Each one of those would prove to be an excellent interview by themselves. But for today, I want to talk to our guest because he's been instrumental not only in entertaining millions of fans, but having an impact in elevating the sport of hockey. He is thought to be the first American-born chairman of the Ontario Hockey League Board of Governors and an executive board member to the 60-team Canadian Hockey League. He is the president and managing partner of the Saginaw Spirit Hockey Team. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Craig Goslin. Craig, how are you? I'm great, Cliff. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. And I know you're extremely busy, and I appreciate the fact that you're taking time to speak with us today. If you would, uh, tell us a little bit about where you're from. Where did you grow up? Well, uh, home for me was Bay City. I grew up in Bay City, went to Bay City All Saints. I'm a, I'm a proud Bay City uh, native and, uh, and now, now live in Freeland. Excellent. Where did, you, where did you go to college? What did you study? Well, I took several classes in school. I did not ever get my degree. However, I wouldn't recommend that for today's students, but it worked out for me because I, uh, I really got a great education working through the companies that I worked for in my early years. I, I didn't earn a degree, but I did uh, study the, uh, the people business, and I, I learned a lot from, from uh, mentors. I always grabbed mentors along my way. I think that's one of the, one of the keys to any successful enterprise is uh, for the leaders to, uh, to have mentors, people that are, are excellent at what they do. And, uh, and to be able to have access to them, to be able to uh, pick their brains and to, uh, to help them along the way. And I've, I've had five of those mentors uh, growing up and through my, through my career. Now, you mentioned mentors. I'm a big believer in having mentors. Is there some piece of advice from one of your mentors that has really served you well throughout your career? Uh, yeah, Dick Garber. Uh, Dick Garber, uh, one of my mentors, uh, partner, uh, boss. He gave me this bit of advice. He does that with all his partners and people that he works with is to treat people the way you want to be treated. And if you do those things and you, and you carry the values of your organization uh, with you and you, and you try to live those values, then you're going to be successful. And that is something that I, I think of often. And certainly Dick was instrumental in, in my development for sure as a professional as well as a person. Excellent. And I know you mentioned before that you decided to get into the people business. And one could argue that almost every business on the planet is a, a people business. But when you say a people business, what do you mean by that? Well, you know what? It's, it's always been a passion for me to develop people's abilities and talents and recognize, recognize what people are really good at and what they need to work on to develop and work with those individuals to maximize their potential in, in, their, in their business and in their life. And that's always been a passion for me. And if I've been good at anything, it's been recognizing talent and recognizing areas where individuals have talent but need to develop it. I think that's one of the keys to a successful businesses is, is number one, you got to have talent and you got to have character and good people, but you also got to be able to recognize when somebody has talent in a certain area that needs to be developed. And that's one of the things that's missing in today's, uh, I think in today's business world is, is uh, the, the undeveloped, untapped 
potential inside of people. And uh, that's what I, I really enjoy doing. That's where, that's where I feel that I've been effective in the people business. Excellent. And I know we're going to dive a little bit more into that later on in the interview, but I want to take a step back first. Cause I, I got so many hockey questions to ask you, but before we get into, <laughs> yeah, before we get into that, what, what business were you in before you jumped into the, the hockey world? I was a regional sales manager as well as a territory salesman for a group manufacturer called Hilti, or construction tool manufacturer. I had a territory. I also managed a group of people, and it was a it was an outstanding experience for me because it was a it was a direct manufacturer from facility to the end user. So I had over 450 clients that I had to keep happy as well as managing a group of salespeople, and it certainly was was a great experience for me, and it really taught me a lot. And it, Hilti, by the way, is an outstanding company in terms of the way they train their management and their staff. And one of the theories that they brought to the, to the table that really stuck with me as a group, as a theory by Ken Blanchard called Gung Ho. And if you ever have heard of Gung Ho or ever read the book Gung Ho, uh, it's a Ken Blanchard study, and it's really about developing people in business. Hilti introduced me to Gung Ho, and that's been a very uh, instrumental part of my, certainly the way I operate a business. Gung Ho is now on my list of books to read. So thank you for that. Yeah, in Gung Ho, in a nutshell, I'll give it to you in a nutshell. Basically, it's it's recognizing that people's work is worthwhile within your organization, and that everybody in the organization has has a say in the decisions of the company. Uh, doing either through through strategic planning or through business uh, management of the company, allowing staff members, employees, everybody to be involved in the decisions of a company. So so again, it's worthwhile work. Everybody's job is worthwhile. Everybody everybody's role is important and recognized as such. And, and then the second part of that, of course, is, is what I just described to you. And, th- and then the third part is, uh, is cheering each other on. Somebody does something well, continue to cheer them on, encourage them, develop them, show them the areas that they need to improve, and then cheer them on when they do things really well. If you do those things, that's a gung-ho environment. That's a gung-ho company. And those are re- uh, companies that do those things will get results beyond the typical. We certainly have that with the Saginaw Spirit, with the Garber Management Group. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point because I've seen the exact opposite of this happen where it almost seems like if there is a success in the organization, like if somebody did something that was, you know, really phenomenal, whether it's, you know, close a big deal or they really went above and beyond taking care of a customer, it almost seems like there's like a maybe a little bit of a jealousy or resentment in the reaction that other people have inside of that company. Do you think that's directly related to the culture? I do. The, the culture, you hit the nail on the head there. It is the culture. It's the leadership. Uh, we're talking about leadership here today. It's the leadership in the, in the, in the culture that will ensure that, that, the, that the success of the individuals become the success of the team. And that's a skill. It's a skill and, and it's a commitment because you know what gets in the way, Cliff? It's egos. Egos are one of the biggest detrimental elements of, of, the, of the loss of business and organizations. And, uh, and you got to check your ego at the door. Uh, Dick Garber says that all the time as well. Uh, there's a number of Ken Holland's another one of my mentors. Ken has always checked his ego at the door. He mentions that all the time. Uh, you know, those are, those are success, you know, success leaves clues. And, and when you see people that are real successful, one of the, one of the things I've noticed is that the real successful people, not just in financial success, but also with life, they've learned how to manage their ego. And, and, and part of what you're talking about with that is, is being able to have the leadership at the top of companies be able to make sure they check the regal and to make sure they give credit where credit is due and encourage and develop. And that's uh, that's a big part of gun law. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that out because I, I remember early on in my career that my ego was always my worst enemy. And it took me, 
years before I finally figured that out. And once I was able to start putting my ego into check, then I really started making forward advances like I wouldn't believe. So I'm, I'm grateful that you pointed that out. You're dead on. And I, you know what? We all have an ego. I, I went through the same process you did, uh, almost to a T, what you described. Once I figured it out, once the dots connected, it was, it was like a whole uh, different level of uh, results. The results started uh, coming like, uh, like, like Niagara Falls. And that's where, where uh, companies when they, when, and individuals, when they do those things, will certainly see better results. Yes, definitely. What, what was it that drew you to the sport of hockey? Well, I played basketball growing up, and I always loved sports. And then my stepson, Brent Wolgast, I came into his life when he was five years old and he loved the game of hockey. And I hadn't had any experience other than just watching the Red Wings play. And I, I enjoyed the game, but I was, a, I was a bystander for the most part, just enjoying watching the game. Didn't know a ton about the game. And then I got involved with my stepson, stepson Brent, and I just fell in love with the game of hockey. I was like, well, you know, what, what was I doing playing basketball? I just, I should have played hockey. What a great sport the game is. It's the best sport on the planet. Now, once you get involved in it, uh, that's why you see so many people that are so passionate about the game of hockey. Indeed. It's just such a wonderful sport. And, and it teaches so many life lessons uh, about teamwork and about, about the, you know, you only can win in hockey as a team. You, you can't, individuals can't win games. Uh, teams win games. It's very similar in business. But the game of hockey really grabbed me uh, when my stepson Brent played it and I got involved. I said, you know what, I absolutely love this. And of course, then, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the element of bringing the OHL to Saginaw with the Garber was certainly a big part of, uh, of that as well. How did you get involved with the Saginaw Spirit hockey team? Well, Dick Garber and I have been friends since uh, 1983. We were discussing some uh, elements on a golf course. And uh, he mentioned to me that he was going to be looking at buying an Ontario Hockey League franchise and bringing it here to Saginaw. And it, and it kind of just, I mean, I was at a point in my career, I was looking potentially for a, uh, for a change. And I mentioned it to him that, hey, listen, I'd be interested in working with you. One thing led to the other, and I came to work for Dick. And then uh, shortly thereafter, uh, he asked me to be a partner of the Saginaw Spirit. So that's kind of how I got involved. And then one led, thing led to the other, and uh, I made my way through the hockey circles. What is it that you value most about the culture of the Ontario Hockey League? Uh, the people, the quality of the people, the quality of the owners. The owners care an incredible amount about the development of their players and of their staff. So it, they're very stringent requirements to be an owner in our league, and we have very successful business people that are owners in our league. And and, and Cliff, you talk about. Uh, high egos we get we deal with that because these are these are very successful business people that own these teams yes uh, but they're really good people and and the league league management led by commissioner david branch second to none you know i read something here a couple months ago dave branch is one of the top five uh, influencers in the game of hockey he has been had an incredible influence on the game itself getting fighting out of the game to a certain extent i mean they're still fighting in the game but it's it is as you as you watch the game now it is it's really being reduced and the skill has taken over. To, to be able to have a player that has tremendous skill that can skate like, uh, like the wind, has great hands, can put the puck in the net from any different uh, angle or direction, those are the things the fans are going to see in the game, and they're seeing more of that all the time. And Dave Branch was the, was the innovator of that and getting the holding and the clutching and the grabbing out of the game that you used to see uh, when we had the big thugs and the fighting going on uh, that you saw back you know, 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, that's awesome. And and I know that you mentioned before about the there's there's a tendency for these owners, probably even the players too, when they come in that they have these enormous egos. So if you you know, for for our audience out there, this would be a good question. When you come across somebody who has an ego and you see that 
potentially that ego could be damaging either to culture or to the team. What are some of the ways that that you 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 use to diffuse the the ego situation? That is a great question, and and I run across that often. And the the best way to manage that is asking questions back to that individual regarding their position and what they feel that can do to help the team. Well, are you in this for the team or are you in it for yourself? That's a great question. If you're in this for yourself, then this may be the wrong thing for you. All right. Bottom line, the way we're operating our organization, it's not about ourselves. It's about the betterment of our organization. And I would hope that you would be on board with that. I mean, how do you feel about that? And when you ask them that question, at first they may come back with a, with, I don't get it kind of response. But if you continue to work with an individual over time, the dots will likely connect with that individual that, listen, it's not about me, it's about the team. And it's about the organization. It's about the whole success of the whole, not the success of the individual. And if leadership at the top sends that message through, then typically there's, uh, there's good results that follow. It sounds like you're, you are also a believer like I am that culture flows downhill. Well, there's no question, but it actually, it actually cultivates from the workforce. And that's what the go-home environment is all about. It's about ensuring that your, your staff, your employees, everybody that's involved, the, the, the person that sweeps the floor all the way to the bank president that you deal with, that they're all treated with respect, that they're all treated with a tremendous amount of appreciation. If the guy that sweeps the floor doesn't do his job, guess what? There's going to be, uh, there's going to be a mess and there's going to be disease and there's going to be different things that come upon the, 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 the arena if the guy that sweeps the floor doesn't do his job properly. His job is critical. It's critical to the development of our organization as a hockey club. And, and we need to communicate to them, that person, how important your job is to us because they don't hear those things. But when you walk up and say, you know what? Hey, listen, I respect your job. I appreciate it. And guess what? It's really worthwhile for our organization to, for you to do your job the way you do it. And we appreciate it. When they hear those things, guess what happens, Cliff? Is they jump to another level. They say, you know what? Hey, you know what? My job is important. And when they feel they have a say and they feel that they're part of the solution, then the results follow and all of a sudden you see extremely clean restrooms, you see extremely clean floors, you see extremely clean railings. All those things make a difference in the experience of a fan when they come into a building. I think it lends credence to the fact that when you tell these people, because a lot of times people could sit there and say, well, my job isn't important. But when you draw attention to it, when you acknowledge it, when you bring them out in front of the organization and say, you know what, Uh, Bob, the janitor here is the guy that's single-handedly responsible for making sure that our facilities are clean and da, 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 da. And that, like you said before, it really takes them to a whole new level. It's, it's your, you know, you're really celebrating their success. Like what you were talking about before. Well, Ken Holland, one of the recognizes one of the top general managers in sports. Now the general manager at Evans Oilers, uh, you know, won three Stanley cups with the Detroit Red Wings, Dick Garber, uh, incredible successful person uh, in business as well as in life. And you look at the way they handle that situation and how they treat all the people that they work, that work with them and for them. And Ken Holland, when he walks through the arena, he's talking to, and I've done this with him. I've done this with him several times. I've walked, because uh, I walk up to his suite and watch games with him uh, on several occasions. He's, he's stopping by and talking to the usher. He's talking to the guy that, that cleans the glass. He's talking to the guy that's, that, that, that runs the Zamboni, calling him by first name, asking them how their kids are doing. Hey, listen, you know, how's, how's, uh, how, how's Laura doing at soccer? How's her, you know, hey, listen, I've been thinking about her. You know, those little details of, of a leader now become part of, of, uh, of attaining superior results because now those people that are working for you, that are working with you, feel that, you know what, he or she really cares about me. And uh, he knows that my daughter is a soccer player. Wow, I didn't, 
recognize he even knew that or, or she even knew that. So, so those are, those are, I guess, hidden secrets inside of the people that I've observed that are, are, are at the level of success well beyond uh, the ordinary. And it, it's, it's how they treat people and how they involve themselves in people's lives uh, for the betterment. And that, that certainly is, is one of the keys, I think, to mentorship and, and to being able to observe. Today's episode is brought to you by Pet Angel Adoption and Rescue. Cats bring all kinds of joy to your life. They make great companions while you read the newspaper or binge watch your favorite television show. If you're thinking about adopting one, then check out Pet Angel Adoption and Rescue. Based in Frankenmuth, Pet Angel Adoption and Rescue is a 501c3 nonprofit no-kill cat shelter. Over the last 16 years, they found loving homes for hundreds of homeless kitties. Each cat is fixed, vaccinated, and microchipped before going to their forever home. While waiting for you to adopt one, Pet Angel Adoption and Rescue has a superb all-volunteer staff that loves and cares for each and every cat. To learn how you can support, or even better, adopt one of these cute kitties, visit their website at PetAngelAdoption.com. Once again, that's PetAngelAdoption.com. Their link is in the show notes below. And now back to the show. Yeah, that actually brings up a really good question about, you know, how you're treating people, leadership, cultures within the organization. So my next question kind of bleeds into it. So my next question is, is what, what in your mind sets apart the, the, the Saginaw and the Great Lakes Bay region from other areas and regions? Well, again, it comes down to people. I mean, we are just so blessed in this region with the quality of people that we have that really care about our community. My role, I've been in regions all over North America and, and getting involved with their chambers and with the, you know, asking to speak at certain things. And there's a certain, I guess the word I'm, I'm looking for is chemistry. There's a certain chemistry of, of, of togetherness with the people in the Great Lakes Bay region. And in Riverfront Saginaw, you're seeing that happen now with the development of, of, of Riverfront Saginaw, the downtown area, Old Town, uh, all those things. I think that's going to be an incredible amount of development going on over there in the next 10 years. But it's about people. It's about the quality of the people and the people that really care. And, uh, and, and I see that here, and I feel it here. I'm in the trenches here with that. And I, I, there's places where I, I go where I, I can see that it's missing. It doesn't have that. It doesn't have those people that truly care their core about what happens to their community. And that's what we've got here with, with companies like Dow and Meyer. There's corporate ends of that that care so much about the company. Next year, we go on and on. I'm like semiconductor. These people really care. They, I mean, look at what they do for uh, uh, during different uh, crises. They're all stepping up to do to do great things. And, uh, yes, they are. And, uh, you know, it, it's a special it's a special community. And I'm glad this is that the Great Lakes Bay region and Riverfront Saginaw is my home. We were talking about community, and I, I know we're right now in the middle of this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. But uh, the question I got for you is, you know, when we talk about community, when, when it's the off season, what are some of the off ice activities that the team is performing in the community? Well, yeah, that's a great question, Cliff, is that there's really never an off season in, uh, in sports, not just in hockey, but in all the sports. But in hockey, the, the time when the season is done on the ice is the busiest time for those off the ice that are running the business because they're doing corporate renewals, you know, season tickets, group tickets, suite sales, all those things. Uh, there, every game, we have 34 home games in the Ontario Hockey League. And every game is like, is, is, is very similar to hosting a wedding, inviting 4,500 people. All right. And so, because each game has got a different theme to it. We have, we, have, we have different charitable events at each game that where we try to, each game we try to do a, an element for a community charity so that they can uh, bring awareness to their cause and also help them raise funds for it. 
So yeah, during the off season, that, that stuff all takes a tremendous amount of energy, synergy, and working together. And it doesn't just happen. Uh, you don't just open the door and say, hey, let's go throw an event like Shocks and Saves. And the Shocks and Saves event, by the way, started with Yuri Fisher in a conversation I had with Dr. Colucci, with Dr. Peter Fattel here in Saginaw, about how can we use the horrible incident that happened to Yuri Fisher on the bench to the advantage of our region so we can help people here to understand how important it is to, to uh, take care of their heart. And one thing led to the other, and the result of that event through the Pulse Free Foundation and MMR is that we have raised over $800,000 in our community for heart health Sweet. awareness. We, yeah, we've placed, Cliff, we've placed over 300 defibrillators in high traffic locations throughout the region. Those defibrillators have been deployed 23 times and they've saved 12 lives. Now, that, that gives me chills. And, and, and it's, and it's uh, you know, so it's, hockey is the vehicle, but it's really about the community. It's about finding ways to work with groups like that. So when you ask, you know, what do they do in the off season? You know, that group right there has to meet several times to be able to, and, and, and have a, a strategy that's unified, uh, that's agreed upon to move yes. forward, uh, to be able to attain those kind of results. So that's what they do. And, and our staff has got 23 of those type events. So it's, it's a, but Shocks and Saves is, is the number one event in the Canadian Hockey League uh, for charity, and uh, we're proud it's uh, part of uh, the side of my spirit. Cool. I had no idea that, that your your organization was involved with that many levels, so that's really encouraging and inspiring to hear that. So thank you for sharing it with us. Yeah, you're welcome. We all know that Saginaw Spirit had an excellent team. It was the, the best team in the franchise's 18 years of existence, and this year it had to come to a screeching halt. And from, you know, from your perspective, it had to be absolutely difficult to, to put an end to the season prematurely. Can you, can you talk us through, can you explain a little bit about your thought process, your emotions that went along with making that big decision? Well, I was involved in that decision, of course, with the Canadian Hockey League, the CHL's uh, executive board of directors and very, very difficult decision, uh, not just for our franchise, but for the entire league. Personally, for our franchise, it was extremely painful. You only get your window to win about every three or four years. We've had our window uh, multiple times in our 18 years, uh, but this was, the, this was the best opportunity. This team was loaded from top to bottom. We had the deepest team. There's 60 teams in our league, and most of the experts agreed that we had the deepest team, and we have an excellent coach in Chris Lazary. There is a, there, our goaltender was playing really well. All the things were coming together because we don't have a goalie in hockey. You know what? I don't know who said it. Goaltending is, is 80% of the game unless you don't have one, and it's 100%. And our, and our, our goaltending was really starting to come along. So we were really looking forward to a real strong playoff run. So uh, that would have been, it would have been like the Super Bowl in, in Riverfront Saginaw. I mean, last year in our playoffs, we went to the OHL Conference Finals. But the Conference Championship Series last year with the Gulf Storm, every game was like, uh, it was, we were sold out. Building was electric. Community was on fire, and we were heading for an even bigger opportunity to do that this year. So, yeah, it was painful. It was very, very difficult, but it was the right thing to do. It's not. It goes back to leadership and ego. Uh, it really does. Is that it's not about us. It's about what's right for the, the the players. What's right for the health. In this case, the health professionals were telling us, "You can't gather. You can't gather. You can't do this." Right? Is I know that you guys don't want to shut your league down, but bottom line is, you can't do this. Somebody's gonna. People are gonna die. If you, if you guys gather, people are going to die. When I was told that by a disease professional, that was the end of it. I, you know, hey, listen, this is bigger than hockey. This is bigger than sport. Uh, this is bigger than business. This is about life. If we don't follow the directions of the CDC 
we're going to have real issues here. And that dot connected with me real quick and, uh, and, and also with our CHL board of directors. And it was decided upon that we had to shut it down, but it was painful. And certainly when you look into the eyes of the players, the Saginaw spirit, how hard they work, our coaching staff, our fans, our fans, they care so much. I like to, I like to hug them all <laughs> because they mean so much to all of us. And, 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 and it's just, but right now we're, of course, we're, I can't, can't do that. I'm looking for the day when we can do that again. But bottom line is it, 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 we're all in this together. And the right thing to do was to, was, uh, was to keep everybody out of harm's way. And that was the decision that was made. You strike me as somebody who isn't afraid of a hard challenge. Do you see when this whole COVID-19 thing has passed that it's going to be a monumental task to get uh, next season started up and fired up again? Cliff, there's no question it's going to be it's going to be a lot of work. But I got to tell you something. I think at the end of the day, with all the different changes that are being made, all the things that we're learning, that we could be better for it. And I'm not saying we're going to be better for it. I'm saying we could be. We could be better for all this. I mean, technology. I mean, we're, we're doing webinars right now around our league and around business that are that that are, that if we did this during uh, our our typical manner of doing business without the COVID nineteen, we could save you know hundreds of thousands of dollars. And maybe maybe business will look at more opportunity to use technology for meetings and for gatherings and that thing that like I, I just think there's a there's a potential that we could come out of this stronger than ever before. But it's going to take work. Where it's not going to happen overnight, and I, I, I agree with that. It's going to be everybody's going to have to get used to the fact of gathering again. And there's going to be some uh, there's going to be some elements of of mistrust when it comes to being around each other. I mean, does this person have COVID nineteen? Do they not? I mean, uh, should I wear a mask? Do we all walk around in a mask for the next four or five months? Maybe we do, uh, but we got to keep the social distancing for sure. And I think there's a way that as we get get back, we got to go back to work. Is our is uh, is our government's telling eventually we got to go back to work? We can't do this forever. Certainly, when we do, uh, we got to hit the we got to hit the ground running with uh, with a strategy of, of how we're going to manage this. And we're still working our way through those details now. Certainly, I feel that there's a there's there's a there's a way that we're going to be better in the future, but it's it's not going to be easy. I agree with that, and I think it's going to be it's going to take a little bit of effort. And like you said, trust with with people coming forward, just getting out of the house, just going to a restaurant or going to any kind of an event where there's more than 10 or 20 people in a room, there's going to be a little bit, a little bit of a ramp up there for people to come out. So yeah, I completely agree with that sentiment. I do got one more question for you. I was doing a little bit of research online and I came across your Twitter handle and I noticed that your Twitter name begins with the word goose is, are you any relation to goose Goslin? Well, Goose Goslin, actually the baseball player, was my grandfather's cousin. He was my grandfather's first cousin. Goose Goslin, his family settled in St. Louis, Missouri, and my uh, grandfather's family settled in Windsor, Ontario. And so they, uh, they really never, when the families came over here from Ireland, they really never saw each other again, uh, but they did come over together. So yeah, he, uh, Goose Goslin was uh, my grandfather's first cousin. So yeah, there was a relative there. And of course, uh, last name being Goslin, uh, you know, the baby, baby goose is a goslin. So that's kind of where, uh, you know, we all get the nickname. Every one of us uh, in the family is called goose for the most, for all the males. Everybody's, everybody's a goose. So well, <laughs> <laughs> it goes with the name, I guess. Excellent. Okay, great. So if people want to uh, connect with you or follow you online. Or, and, I, and I know I mentioned your Twitter, Twitter handle before. Uh, what's, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, you know, certainly uh, Twitter is at Goose underscore Sag, Sag Spirit. That's at Goose underscore Sag Spirit. That's my Twitter handle. Uh, the website at SaginawSpirit.com is another way. Our Facebook is, Saginaw, uh, is, is just Saginaw Spirit. Instagram is at Saginaw Spirit. We're also on TikTok at, at Saginaw Spirit. So you can communicate with me through that. Uh, we have uh, 
uh, a gal that handles all of our social media for us. But uh, anything that's related to uh, communicating with me, she she pushes it on to me, and, and that's the best way to communicate with me. And also, you can just get a hold of me. I'm at the Spirit Store at 5789 State Street. I'm always there to greet fans and to, and to talk to people. And uh, when this thing clears up, uh, I'm always welcome to have people stop in and see me and ask for me, and uh, my door is always open. Awesome. And for our audience, we will make sure to have all those links in the show notes down below. Craig, it's been a real pleasure having you on the podcast today, talking about leadership, talking about culture, talking about hockey. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, Cliff. And, uh, you know, better days ahead. It's coming. And certainly we're looking forward to having an Ontario Hockey League season next September. Amen to that, brother. All right. Thanks again. Hey, everyone, before you go, if you want to get these episodes delivered straight to your inbox, then come over to callofleadership.com and sign up for our free email newsletter that includes all kinds of goodies. I'll catch you in the next episode.